Uh, grab your Bibles, get them out. Um, for those of you following me in the uh, booth back there, we're going to go to page three, and we're going to start in verse 10. We've been in a series on the Beatitudes, and um, this is going to be the final message in this series. Uh, of course, the Beatitudes are the introduction to the Sermon on the Mount, which many people consider to be the greatest sermon of all time. Um, that's because Jesus preached it, and it has to be, right? It's all, yeah, it's also the, uh, the longest uh, sermon in the Bible. Um, so anyway, we're gonna, I'm not going to read the whole thing. You have a Bible, don't you? Okay, you can read the whole thing on your own later. I suggest you do so, and often. Um, but um, I was going to say at the bottom, page three, you're not on my notes, are you? Um, you can follow my notes on the, the YouVersion app. Um, but Matthew 5, verse 10, this is where we're at today. This is the final beatitude that we are covering. Um, so this is part nine of this, of this uh, series. The Word of God says this. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus says, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Wow. That's pretty awesome. Jesus is like, blessed are you when you are persecuted. People insult you. How many like to be insulted? How many like to be persecuted? Um, how many like it when people say evil against you and falsely accuse you? I don't know about you, but I don't like that. But when, when you are persecuted for righteousness sake, Jesus said you are blessed. Uh, we've mentioned this in almost every um, message in this series, but the word um, blessed, it's Strong's 3107, it's in the Greek, and it means this. It's makarios. It means supremely blessed, happy to be envied. I don't know about you, but when someone's being slandered, mistreated, persecuted, I don't typically envy them. But Jesus said, you are blessed when these things happen to you. So when you are persecuted you, uh, for Christ, you are supremely blessed. You are happy. You are to be envied. Now, um, let me... Because great is your Lord in heaven. Now, what does it mean to be uh, persecuted? Um, we need an eternal perspective in order to understand the blessing of this. To be, um, uh, we need an eternal perspective to understand this. Um, what does it mean to be persecuted? It means this. It's, uh, uh, this again, this is the Greek. We're, we're getting this from the Greek word. Um, I don't know how to say it. I'm not going to try. But it means to, um, if you're persecuting someone, to pursue literally or figuratively um, by implication to pursue, to follow after, given to suffer or press forward. Another um, definition is this, to aggressively chase like a hunter pursuing a catch or a prize, zealously persecute, hunt down, to pursue with haste, that is chasing after, earnestly desiring to overtake or apprehend. That is a picture of persecution. We have a clear picture of what persecution is. And here's the deal. It's not a comfortable thing. This is not a cozy, like, ooh, I love persecution. <laughs> right? But it, it's being pursued, taunted, ridiculed, hunted down, imprisoned, sanctioned, fined, canceled. Amen? Anyone ever been canceled for, for righteousness sake? Martyred. Right? 
I mean, the, the spectrum of persecution is pretty broad. And here in the United States, we don't, we're not well acquainted with um, deep, intense persecution, but there is a, there's a persecution nonetheless. And all around the world, there is intense persecutions. In fact, I don't know if you know this, but the fact that you have the word of God, the privilege of this book, is that um, people actually died so that you could have this in your hands. Did you know this? When they translated this book from Latin into English, several people were killed because of it. They thought it was heresy to, to translate it from Latin to English. Um, people died so that you could have this. The apostles all died for something that they believed in because they encountered something from another realm. That's persecution. But there's low-lying persecution, and we experience a little bit of that in the United States, and there's high-level persecution, which is mostly experienced all around the world. I do believe persecution, though, is on the rise and intensifying even here in the United States. But for those, um, when we are persecuted for righteousness' sake or for the sake of following Jesus or being true to our faith, Jesus says, you are blessed. You are supremely blessed. I don't know if you've ever tried to share your faith or um, the gospel and someone tells you to shut up, go away. I don't want to hear that. That's a bunch of baloney, right? Jesus said you're blessed when you receive those insults because he says, I was was rejected. I was persecuted. I should note that suffering for any old reason, it's not for suffering for any old reason that we are blessed. Um, It's suffering as a result of our profession of faith and as a, as a result of following Jesus. Um, sometimes we're persecuted because we're dumb. Okay. And it's important to remember that. Go ahead and put up that picture. Every, you hear the saying like every, people say everything happens for a reason. Yeah. And sometimes the reason is you're stupid and make bad decisions. Okay. So, so if you get, let me, for example, if you get fired from your job, because all you do at your job is read your Bible and witness to people and don't do your job, you're not necessarily being persecuted for righteousness' sake. You're being persecuted because you didn't do your job. Okay, what are we going to do? We're going to be the hardest workers at our jobs, and we're, that is going to afford us our work ethic and our morals and our values are actually going to afford us the ability to talk about Jesus. People are going to be curious about your life. Man, you, you march to a different drumbeat. People are going to be curious about that. Um, now, I'm not saying you haven't experienced persecution at the workplace because uh, you're a follower of Christ. I'm just saying it is because of following Jesus. And we have to still, when we go to our jobs, we have to do a good job. And not any old suffering that we go through is because it's persecution for Jesus' sake. But here's the deal. Here's what I want to say this morning. If you live the Beatitudes, if you live the Sermon on the Mount, and you're following Jesus, you will suffer some form of persecution in your life, period. Why? Because following Jesus has a cost. And that cost often comes with being misunderstood, slandered, and in the case of some imprisoned and even martyrdom. There is a cost to following Jesus. Um, This is why when I preach the gospel, when I give altar calls, oftentimes I will say, hey, I can't guarantee you that your life's going to be perfect from now on. I can't guarantee that. Um, In some respects, I actually can guarantee you that it might be even more difficult. How'd you like that for an altar call? Hey, if you want a harder life, come up here. Let's give your life to Jesus, right? That's not how we do it. I say this. I can't guarantee that your life will be perfect because mine certainly is not. But I can guarantee you that you'll never be alone 
you will have a comforter, counselor, provider, protector, and friend to walk through everything through. And it is so worth it. Life is meaningless without relationship with Jesus. Life is pointless without God. You're just going through the motions and trying to satisfy these temporal needs. But when you're connected with something from another realm, when you're connected to our creator in heaven, man, life has purpose. Life, life becomes alive, amen? So it's so worth it. Now, as a Christ follower, who will be persecuted? Again, I said um, it, is, it is those who are following Jesus who will be persecuted. It says this in 2 Timothy 3.12. Paul says this. Yes, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. There's a promise you should underline in your Bible. Right? Thank God for that one. The promises of God are yes and amen. Well, this is a promise. Okay? Unfortunately, this is a promise. All who desire to live godly in Christ will suffer persecution. Aren't you glad you came to church this morning? Why? Why is this? Because... You're, be, you're going to be going against the grain. You're going, to be go, you're going to be swimming upstream, right? There's resistance. Listen, if you go through your whole life and you don't bump into a devil every now and then, you're going the wrong direction, okay? If you don't bump into opposition to your faith and you're just, your life's so easy, you're going in the wrong direction. You're not swimming upstream. You're not being a child of light. Listen. We are children of light, and this world has darkness, okay? There's opposing kingdoms at work here. There's opposing kingdoms in your home. There's opposing kingdoms in the city you live in, and we want light to prevail. And, that, and because of this, there's a contention. There's, a, there's spiritual warfare. Jesus said this, John 15, 18. He said this, if the world hates you, keep in mind it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Okay? So don't be surprised when you undergo persecution when you're serving and living for Jesus. If you're truly following Jesus, you're living by a different standard than the world out around you. Now, there is a way out of this persecution. Okay? And if you want to get out of this persecution, listen to this. Be a closet Christian. Amen? Be a closet Christian. Don't rock the boat. Closet Christians forego persecution. They forego their persecution, but they also forego some eternal rewards that God wants to give them. And they forego that satisfaction in your heart to make a stand in this life for Jesus. You were meant to shine. You were meant to be a light for Jesus. You were meant to swim upstream. You were meant to oppose darkness. And you will, if you be a closet Christian and never rock the boat anywhere you go and just agree with everyone around you and don't, you know, don't tell anyone about your faith, you're, you are foregoing the satisfaction of being a light to this world. You were called to be a light. And you're foregoing some of your eternal rewards. Salvation is a free gift that Jesus offers to all those who will call upon his name. But there is something about eternal rewards. There are eternal rewards in Christ. We read this verse a couple of weeks ago, and it's lots of, lots of good news. And then there's a hard part in here I want you to see. Romans 8, 14 through 17, it says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. That's good. Verse 15, The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. 
So good. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Uh Uh-oh. If. Uh Uh-oh, here we go. If, indeed, we share in his sufferings in order that we might share in his glory. If, indeed, we share in his sufferings. Again, 2 Timothy 3.12. Yes, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. So, if you want to get out of persecution, be a closet Christian. If you desire to live a godly in Christ Jesus, you will suffer persecution. You will suffer resistance and opposition. For us in the United States, it doesn't typically mean being imprisoned and, and, and martyred, although that does happen on occasion. Around the world, for sure, this happens all the time. I, there are martyrs all around the world, and it, it, it's intense all around the world all the time. We should be praying for our brothers and sisters in Christ who are living in other countries where the gospel is not legal, where it's not okay to be a Christian. Closet Christians forego those eternal rewards for temporary success. And some of you need to come out of the closet. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm coming out of the closet. I'm coming out. People are like, what kind of sermon is this? Don't, don't worry. We're not, we're not one of those woke churches, all right? Okay. We're coming out for Jesus. We're going to live publicly for Jesus, amen? Jesus said this, if you give a cup of cold water in his name, you will not lose your reward. How much more will we receive a reward for suffering for his namesake? If you read the rest of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says there's a reward for fasting in secret. There's a reward for praying in secret. There's a reward for giving in secret. How much more reward for living publicly for Jesus, especially when we receive ridicule and persecution and misunderstandings? Those are those things, misunderstandings, ridicule, persecution, rejection, those are part of the Christian life, at least for those who desire to live a public, godly life life. So whether small or large, being persecuted for Jesus all, will always be rewarded. He won't forget. He won't forget a cup of cold water you give in his name, and he won't forget if you suffer for his name. And this is part of the Christian life and something that we often don't get to talk about or, sh- or do talk about. We should talk about all the time here in the Western uh, world. When I was, uh, I used to be a meat cutter. Um, at Safeway, I talked about this. I think it was last week I actually talked about this. And I worked for a boss, and he was a cool guy. But when he was younger, he was kind of a wild, he was kind of a wild young man. And he got saved as an adult. He got, he got born again. He was Catholic before. Um, and, and many Catholics know the Lord. Many Catholics are born again and saved. But he didn't have a relationship with Jesus. He, he uh, was witness to, heard about the Lord, put his faith and trust in Jesus, and like, boom, okay, I'm living by a new standard. I'm living by a new, I'm living for another realm. And he was telling me that um, his, I think it was his brother, was getting married. And they're, they're when, you know, when you get married, you have a bachelor party. And his brother's like, his brother's getting married, and his brother's like, we're going to have a stripper. And so he goes to this bachelor party, and the stripper shows up. And he's like, I will wait outside during this part of the bachelor party. 
I'm not going to be part of this. And he said his, his, him and one other guy went outside. And they're like, nope, this is, this is not part of the new life that Jesus has given me. This is not part of what he's called me to be. So he and this other guy went outside. And, the, and his brother comes out. And he's like, what are you doing? He come, this is my, I'm getting married. This is my bachelor party. What are you doing? And he's like, I can't do it. I'm living for Jesus now. I gave my heart to Jesus. I'm living by, a, by another standard. And so his brother's all upset, and they, the guys all go inside, and him and the other guy just wait, and he can, he can hear the party going on inside. The guys are hooting and hollering and all this different stuff. And, but, but what did he do? He was counting the cost to live a godly life. All who choose to live a godly life will suffer persecution. He was, he was being ridiculed, persecuted by his brother who was getting married, and he wanted to bless his brother. But he's like, no, I can't do that. That's, that's not part of the new standard. Let me ask you a question. What has it cost you to follow Jesus? What has it cost you to put him first? Let me ask you a question. Have you ever lost a relationship with a boyfriend or girlfriend because you wouldn't compromise your purity before marriage? Have you ever lost a business deal because you would not compromise your integrity? Maybe you were, uh, they wanted you to lie, to cheat, to steal, or do something that violates your conscience in a work environment, and you actually lost out on money and future business deals because of your integrity and the standards that you have. When we make a stand for Jesus, we suffer persecution. And, and again, many times in the Western world, it's loss of finances, loss of business deals, losses of relationship. What has it cost you to follow Christ? Relationships? Have you lost money? Have you lost re- reputation? Because we are swimming upstream. We are light in a dark place. We are going against the grain because we're living for Jesus. I want to play a video um, here in just a second. And I haven't talked about this at all. And by the way, this video, it's maybe not PG-13, but it describes intense persecution. So if, if there's a, any tiny little kids here, they, it may be too mature for them. Um, but there's a... There's a, a ministry that City Lights Church, um, I think at the end of last year, the beginning of this year, we started support uh, called One for Israel. And they uh, make video content because it's, it's actually illegal to, to witness, proselytize in Israel. And so they make video content for Jews who are uh, seeking relationship and interested in Messiah Yeshua. And so um, I, I liked it so much. I like what they did so much that I, we added them to our, uh, one, as one of our uh, missionaries that we support on a monthly basis. If, if you um, want to check it out sometime, go to YouTube and then just type in One for Israel. They have all kinds of videos about um, uh, Jews coming to faith in Christ Jesus. And so um, I want to play, and it's not just Jews coming to Jesus, but it just talks about um, a lot of great testimonies, but their primary thrust is ministering to Jews um, for Jesus. But I want to play one of their videos. And so I kind of want to introduce that to you, A, that we're, we're, that's kind of a new thing that we're doing. Um, but this testimony that you're going to hear, it's one of the most powerful testimonies I have ever heard. So um, go ahead and roll that video. Zechariah, he was a nice person. He was a decent person. He was very smart. He was the only Christian in the whole of the school. And I hated him. Because I thought as a Muslim, I must be better than him. But he was better than I. We start to beat him every single day that we come to school. And we agreed on that night, we need to kill him. It was dark. 
It was uh, cold. And we went ahead of him. And we were five of us. We climbed a tree and we waited there. And from far away, we saw that a torch coming. And the light became bigger and bigger as it approaches us. And the minute that he just went under the tree, we jumped at him. He was crying, he was screaming, he was shouting. We broke his arm, we broke his leg. He started to bleed. And because he started to scream and begging for help, I put my hand in his mouth so that no noise will come out of him. Similar when you are slaughtering a sheep, you know, it's just shivering and the others were, were beating him. I felt very proud. You were actually doing something for, for Allah. You know, you want to please him. And suddenly, he could no longer breathe and we could not hear his voice. We left him in the wood between life and death. We went back, you wash yourself and you pray. And Zechariah never came back. I've never seen him again. I was born and raised up in a very, very fanatic Muslim family. When I was a child, my father brought me to a Quran school. I was only eight years old, and my father just dropped me there. They shaved my head. We sat in a circle. The Shaykh sat in the middle of the circle, and he has a very long whip. I was forced to memorize the Quran. Every mistake that you do, this whip will just come right in the middle of your head. You're not allowed to cry, because in our culture they tell you men never cry. I was crying every single night. And they told me, you belong to the Islamic Ummah. And that's why you fight for it, you stay loyal to it. I started to hate people, to hate everybody who's not a Muslim. And I especially used to hate the Jews. So I was preparing myself to go and fight for Allah in the jihad. But every night I went to bed, and when we put the light off, I did not know what will happen with me if I die. My cousin was severely sick. And the doctors, they said, he's going to die. They gave him only a couple of days. And when they came to people, they were Coptic Christians. And one of them wanted to greet me. And then I saw he had a cross. And then I pulled my hand back. I said, well, I'm not going to touch a hand with a cross. And then he said to me, we hear that this child is sick. We would like to pray for him. And only out of politeness, I told them, okay. And they started to speak to God like a person that he speaks to his friend. They said, God, please heal this child. The minute that they said, Amen, this child opened his eyes for the first time in four weeks. He started to move his hands. He started to speak. He sat down in his bed and he started to walk. And one of those two persons who prayed sat down with me and he said to me, you know what? The real miracle is 
that God wants to change your heart. Do you believe that Yeshua is alive? And I told him, yeah. Because according to the Islamic tradition, God took him to heaven and he's alive and he will come back one day. And he said to me, because he's alive, you can speak to him. That changed my entire life. And when I started to read the scripture, nobody needed to convince me to love the Jewish people. The only way for Muslims to start to love the Jews is when they meet Yeshua. I loved my family. I loved my father. I loved my mother, and I loved my community. And when I decided to follow Yeshua, my grandfather and my father said to me, you are no longer one of us. They made a funeral. They invited friends and family. They brought a coffin to the cemetery, and they said, our son is dead. To be declared dead with no family, I said to God, where are you? I heard this voice, and this voice told me, you know that the grave where your name is written, you know that grave is empty. And guess what? My grave is also empty. I went to Egypt for the first time after many years, and I was in a pastoral conference. And one of the Sudanese pastors came to me, it's an elderly man, gray hair, started to speak to me and he asked me, where did you come from? I told him my story. He started to cry. And then I asked him, why are you crying? And he said to me, do you remember me? My name is Zachariah. And suddenly, I remembered him. The last time I saw him, it was in that dark night. I could hear suddenly the way that he was screaming, even though that was 25 years. Suddenly I started to see his broken arm and broken legs. I started to see the scars which I caused him. I started to be full of shame. I was a bad person, yeah. I was terrible. So Zachariah looked me straight into the eye again and he said to me, answer yes, because you hated me so much. I was always praying for you. He opened his Bible and the minute he opened his Bible, I saw that my name was written in the first page. I hated him, he prayed for me. On that day, God confronted me. He said to me, even before you start to think about me, I was thinking about you. To love those who hate you, you need someone whose name is Yeshua. That is one of the most powerful testimonies I've ever heard in my life. We'll close with this. 
I want to just read a portion of the book of Hebrews. Uh, Hebrews 11. Go read the whole chapter sometime. Hebrews 11:6. Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. What does this faith in action look like? Verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than, than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger, and he persevered because he saw him who is invisible. Verse 32, and what more shall I say? I do not have time to uh, tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Japheth, about David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms and ministered justice and gained back what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection." Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes and in the ground. These were all commended for their faith. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It says this in Philippians 1.29, For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. This is part of our Christian faith, making a stand for Jesus. Standing for Jesus for that man in the video, that meant something real. His entire family rejected him, counted him as dead. For Zechariah, it nearly cost him his life. He was beaten for Jesus. What does it cost you to follow Jesus? What does it cost me to make a stand for Jesus? I just want to encourage you with that today. I'm going to pray, and I'll have Pastor Leslie close this up. Why don't you guys stand to your feet this morning? Jesus, we love you. We thank you. You are worthy of our entire life. You're worthy of our everything. God, and I just pray we would, we would just count the cost of following Jesus. And if there's anyone here who's been mistreated, misunderstood, ridiculed, persecuted, Lord, I just thank you, God, that they have a reward, Lord. You've seen that and you're counting that. You're keeping track of that, Lord. There is a reward in heaven, God. And I pray, God, that all of us would continue to count the cost to follow Jesus because it's so worth it. We have a friend, counselor, comforter, and God, great is our reward in heaven. We thank you, Father, that you are worthy of our lives. You are worthy of our everything. We love you. We bless you. We thank you for today. In Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said...